Thanks so much for joining us. I want to say a quick hello to all of our campuses. Thanks for being a part of our services today. So glad you guys are with us. You are in for a treat. We have Pastor Craig Rochelle with us. He is my mentor. He pastors Life Church. He founded Life Church uh, many years ago, and uh, he the Life Church has grown to be the largest church in America, uh, with 35 campuses in 11 states. He's also the founder of the YouVersion Bible app with over 450 million downloads. Please give a warm welcome to Pastor Craig Groeschel. Wow. What's happening, Church Unlimited? It's an honor. You are my church, my home away from home. Uh, when you're here one time, you're a guest speaker on number five. Like, this is family. We're family, huh? It's great to be with you. How good is it to gather together in the middle of a time when many people can't? Thank God we can be open safely. Those of you online, we are open again at all Church Unlimited locations. When you're ready to come back, please come back. Uh, if you are streaming from anywhere in the world, we welcome you. And I want to take just a moment to express my love for your amazing pastors. If I were you, I would thank God every day to be under such incredible leadership. <laughs> Pastor Bill and, and Jessica are at the top of the list of our closest friends. And uh, we were driving back after an earlier service this weekend, and uh, my son Sam uh, is with me, who is also a preacher. I call him Pastor Sam, even though he's 19 and can beat me up. Uh, he, um, I said, Sam, what do, you, uh, what do you love just about Pastor Bill? And he said, where do I start? And it was really, really special. Um, he said, outside of you, Pastor Bill is the number one encourager in my life, a voice of encouragement. And then he said, well, but probably more than that, he just really, really loves God. He's just so close to God. And when you see a 19-year-old from another church who looks at your pastor, the very top of the list of what he says is he's just so close to God. And if I were you, I would thank God for that every day that you're under um, pastors who genuinely seek the heart of God. And I'm, in, I'm emotional because it was um, here, I don't know how many years ago, we were out um, just talking late into the evening, and we were talking about the future of Church Unlimited and just your pastor's vision. And so we we're really trying to bring clarity. And I said, if there's one thing, one thing you want to do um, in the last uh, half of your life, what do you want to do? And he just blurted out. We were sitting there together, and he said, I want to take as many people to heaven as I can before I die, period. Amen. And that's what he said. And what are we about at Church Unlimited? What we want to do is we want to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. And so I am honored to have been there in the moment when out of the mouth of your pastor, the vision came forth. And so what I want to do today is I want to just continue to breathe on the massive movement of God at Church Unlimited and help you take as many people to heaven as possible before you die, period. Quick question before we get into God's word. How many of you are on social media? I'm curious. How many of you are on social media? Do you like social media? Does it, why are you on it? <laughs> like you got a, a love-hate relationship with it. Um, who's on Facebook? Facebook? My, Twitter. Twitter. Twitter can be rough sometimes, right? Uh, who are you voting for? Don't even tell me. And <laughs> don't put that on Twitter. You know, um, Instagram. My Instagram. Uh, TikTok. TikTok. Okay. <laughs> Uh, snap. Anybody got a snap? Okay, question. Um, you know what, a, what an influencer is, right? Question. How many of you, um, by chance, might be an influencer? Do we have any? One. Fantastic. 
two, three, amazing, four, awesome, that's incredible, so glad to hear it. Um, it's really, really interesting, I looked up what an influencer is, and I read this, I read an influencer is an individual who has the power to affect purchase decision of others because of their authority, knowledge, or relationship with the audience. What I want to do today is I hope to reclaim the word influencer. When I was growing up, an influencer might have been not just someone who influences purchase decisions, but an influencer could have been my Sunday school teacher. I had some coaches that were influencers. I had some teachers that were influencers. I had some people I looked up to who were influencers. Pastor Bill Cornelius, my son would say all day long, is the top influencer in his life. What I want to do is try to reclaim the word influencer, and when I ask you again later in the service how many of you are influencers, I am praying that every single hand of every single person watching will go up because you are called by God to be a spiritual influencer. I'm just curious, I, I, I'm, just, I'm kind of in the mood to ask it again. I'm, I wonder, how many of you who are followers of Christ see yourself as an influencer? Excellent. About 80% of you, man, I'm not very clear. My goal <laughs> is by the end of this message that every single one of you will see yourself as an influencer. And I'm actually going to ask you to pray and ask God to show you someone before the end of our time together that you can bring to a party happening next week called At The Movies, when we're going to take as many people to heaven as possible before we die, period. Let's try to reclaim the word influencer because you have no idea how God could use one word of encouragement, one generous expression of love, one caring moment to influence someone else's life toward Jesus if you will see yourself as an influencer. Jesus said this about you. I want to show you his opinion of you. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 16, he said, you as followers of Christ, if you are in Christ, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are the salt of the earth. What does salt do? Well, salt purifies. You're a purifying agent. We don't conform to culture, but we conform culture. Salt uh, preserves, salt keeps things healthy and, and living longer. Salt flavors, some of you are flavor, flavorful. Look at your neighbor and say, you're salty. Just tell them, look at your neighbor and say, you're salty. Look at your second favorite neighbor, the one that you didn't choose, and say, you're shiny. Do that for me, if you will. You're salty and you're shiny. Not only are you salty, but Jesus said you also shine. You're not just the salt of the earth, he said, but you are the light of the world, a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, what do they do? They put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, Jesus said, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You have no idea how one conversation, one word of encouragement, one expression of love could change someone's life. What we need to do is we need to shift how we think about influence. The problem with our current view of influence, and if you are um, an Instagram influencer, more power to you. I hope that you can make a lot of uh, difference with it. 
But we need to shift how we think about influence because currently, for so many people, they think that influence starts with platform. I've got to have a certain amount of followers. It starts with platform. True and lasting influence, though, it always starts with people before platform. You don't need a platform to have influence. You need trust and relationship to have influence. For example, I'll ask you some questions. Uh, Pastor Bill said that Amy and I, we did found Life Church 25 years ago. And so if you asked who influenced the start of Life Church, the technical and correct answer would be, well, um, Craig and Amy did. That would be true, but it would be incredibly incomplete. Because you have to take a step back and ask, well, who influenced us to grow spiritually that enabled us and empowered us to start Life Church? And so if you ask who influenced the start of Life Church, you'd also have to include my pastor who took a risk on me when no one else would. Because when I was in college, I was a non-Christian business major who got radically saved, never changed my major to religion and just thought I'll graduate and then I'll be a pastor. The problem is churches don't hire business majors, and so I couldn't get hired anywhere. My pastor had to bring a friend Sunday and said, bring as many people as you could to church. So I went back to my fraternity, and I told my fraternity brothers, you're all coming with me to church. And they all said, to bleep we are. And I said, to bleep you are. I actually said a bad word. I was a new Christian. I hadn't worked the bleeps out of my vocabulary yet because I was still a new Christian. You may be able to relate, right? Some of you, you've been a Christian for a long time, and you haven't worked the bleeps out of your vocabulary, but God still loves you. We're growing, right? So I got 17 smelly, hungover fraternity guys to come with me to church. They had never seen that many new people at one time at First United Methodist Church downtown Oklahoma City. And so my pastor said, hey, if you brought a friend, stand up with your friend. I stood up with two testosterone-filled rows of fraternity guys. And everybody looked over like, how, how did they get so many people there? And so my pastor, you could tell, he was thinking. He said, ah, if you're the person who brought a friend or a bunch of friends, you remain standing and everybody else sat down. So I remained standing. And he looked over at me, and he went up to another pastor sitting up in the front. And he said, he just whispered, he goes, go, go find that guy, pointed right at me, and said, hire him. And that's exactly how I became a pastor. That's the story. I may not have known the Bible, but I knew how to get bleeping people to church, okay? And, and, and so my pastor took a risk on a 22-year-old guy who had never preached a sermon before. So who influenced the start of Life Church? Well, certainly Amy and I did, but there was also my pastor. But then, then you'd have to ask, but how is it that I became a Christian? And when I was in college, I was really wild. Was anybody wild in college? Okay. Some of you are still wild. Don't act all spiritual there. You just polish your halo, act like you know you're holy, whatever. I kind of majored in sinning for a little while. How many of you know sinning can be fun, right? Raise your hand. Like, like a fourth of you, listen to me. If, listen, if, if you don't think sinning's fun, either you didn't do it right <laughs> or you're lying, right? What, one or the other. It can be fun for a while until it's not, and eventually it's not. It'll jack you up. And my, my sins caught up with me, and my fraternity brothers, four of them committed grand larceny, and they were about to kick us off campus. And so as the president, I did a little PR move. I said, hey, we're going to start a Bible study. And they said, we're not going to do a bleeping Bible study. I said, we're going to do a bleeping Bible study. And so I announced that we we're going to do this, trying to, trying to win back over our Christian university. And uh, on Tuesday, I was going to my economics class when I realized I didn't have a Bible. And so I just like, I don't think I even prayed. I just like thought in the direction of heaven, kind of like, if anybody cares, I ain't got a Bible. 
you know, and I, and I went into class and I walked out of class and God is my witness. There was an older gentleman um, in a suit and tie uh, and from an organization known as the Gideons. And he reached out to me when I was coming out and said, young man, would you like a free Bible? He gave me a free Bible. And it was reading the Bible. I started reading in Matthew and then Mark and then Luke. And I kept reading about Jesus. You know, they betrayed him and he would die on the cross and he'd rise again. And like on the third time, I thought to myself, you'd think he'd see it coming. I had no idea. It was the same version over and over again. But, you know, and I read all the way to Ephesians chapter 2. And it was in Ephesians chapter 2 that I read that you could be saved by the grace of God, not by works, but by faith in Jesus. And I went out and prayed all by myself in a little softball field. If you're real, if that grace is real, would you transform me? And I knelt down one person, and I stood up, and it was different. Well, who influenced that? Well, we're not sure who the Gideon was, and for probably close to 30 years we weren't sure until someone went back and did the research because I told that story so many times and found the exact guy who was by far the most common Gideon handing out Bibles in 1988 at Oklahoma City University. And here's a picture of Mike, the man who very likely is the guy that gave me the Bible years and years ago. So who influenced the start of Life Church? Well, certainly I did and my wife did and my pastor Nick Harris did. But you could argue that Mike played a real role and influencing the start of Life Church because if he hadn't gotten up that day and gone out to give free Bibles, then I might not have had the Bible that transformed my life. Who influenced the start of Life Church? If you go deeper into that, there's somebody somewhere who gave the money that the Gideons used to print that Bible. There was someone who had the vision. If you go back deeper than that, I met three guys after I became a Christian, three of the nerdiest Christian guys ever, who said, you're our biggest answered prayer. I said, what do you mean? They said, on the first weekend of the school, you are the drunkest, you are the most arrogant, you are the most rebellious, and so we picked you as our prayer project, and we prayed for you every single day, and you're our biggest answered prayer. And so if you ask who influenced the start of Life Church, which led to the free YouVersion Bible app, which has been downloaded going on half of a billion times, who influenced that? It could have been my pastor. It could have been Mike the Gideon who gave me a free Bible, which sparked us to give away the free Bible, but that was only a result of three very nerdy, very passionate, very godly young Christian men praying for the wildest guy they knew. What I want you to understand, and I hope you'll see this, is this, is that you're called to be an influencer. You are called to be an influencer. And influence isn't always instant. And it isn't always obvious. But just because you don't see the immediate fruit doesn't mean the seed that you planted hasn't taken root. What I want to do is I want to reclaim the word influencer. You're salty <laughs> and you're shiny. You, you, when you walk into a room, salt walks into the room. When you walk into a room, light walks into a room. When you go to work, Hope goes to work. You're called to be an influencer. You have no idea how God might use one word of encouragement, one single, single gift in the offering plate, one prayer that you pray that no one ever knows about but God. You have no idea how God might use you to influence someone toward Jesus. 
What I want to do for the rest of the time together, and then at the end of our time, I'm going to invite you to listen for the voice of the Spirit of God, to show you someone that you could influence, and invite again next week to experience the message of the gospel. As your pastor, can your pastor preach? I'm telling you, your pastor can preach. Can he preach throughout the movies? Oh my gosh. Powerful, 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 powerful. How amazing it is when, whenever, what did Jesus do? He told stories to illustrate spiritual truths. And in a very modern context, we're going to use visual stories to illustrate spiritual truth. Next week, God may show you someone and you have no idea how one invitation might change someone's life. I want to show you one story from the New Testament to help inspire you toward this end goal that when you wake up, you see yourself as an influencer. John chapter 4, I'm going to show you a woman that no one ever thought would be an influencer. Uh, The context, Jesus was going on a journey, and he passed through Samaria. He actually went out of the way, which would have been confusing to some. He um, encountered a Samaritan woman, which if you don't know the context, Jews hated Samaritans because a Samaritan was a half-Jew, half-Gentile, and a Samaritan would have said, a Jewish person would have said, Samaritans are less than humans and worse than dogs. And Jesus sat down at a well by a Samaritan woman, and he dignified her, he, he was kind to her, he was loving to her, and he pointed her to something called living water. He said to this woman, hey, ma'am, would you give me something to drink? Would you give me some water? And in verse 9 of John chapter 4, the woman was surprised. She was shocked. She was beside herself. She couldn't believe that a man, much less a, a Jewish man, would be kind to her. The woman was surprised, Scripture says, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. And she said to Jesus, she, she's dazed, she said, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you talking to me? Why, why, are, you, why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus looked at her lovingly and he said, if you only knew the gift that God has for you and who you're speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. The woman, again, she doesn't understand and she said, but sir, I don't have a bucket and the, the well is really, really deep. How can I get you the living water? And Jesus replied and he said, ma'am, anyone who drinks of this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. This woman looks on and says, please, sir, I want it. Can I have whatever that living water is? I want some of it. And Jesus says to her, ma'am, go get your husband. Jesus told her, and she responds back, and she says, sir, I I don't have a husband. Jesus looked at her lovingly, and he said, ma'am, you're right. You don't have a husband, for you've had five of them, and you aren't even married to the man that you're living with now. And he said, you've, you've certainly spoken the truth. Sir, the woman looks on like, oh my gosh, you just prophesied. How, you, we don't know each other. You've never been to my town before. How did you know this? Here's what's so emotional to me, to think about the love of Jesus. This woman was an immoral woman that everyone else in town would have whispered about. But Jesus didn't see her as an immoral woman as much as he saw her as a miracle waiting to happen. I don't know who it is here today that you may feel bad about your past or even ashamed about your present. And you think, oh my gosh, I mean, I I hope lightning doesn't strike me because I'm in a church building. 
And God doesn't look at you and see your sin or brokenness or your past. He looks at you and sees potential for healing, for grace, and for forgiveness. I, I can only even imagine that when everyone else pointed at this woman, she's had five, she's shacking up with this guy now. Perhaps Jesus might have known context, and in context there was compassion. I kind of wonder what led her to a life like that. Whenever I see someone who's really broken down, instead of my first instinct, which is to point the finger and judge, I start to ask, I wonder if this woman maybe um, didn't have a dad. And so she never had a model of what a good relationship was like. Maybe her dad was distant, or maybe worse, her dad was present and he was abusive. Maybe he took advantage of her, or maybe there were other men that took advantage of her. Maybe she was um, significantly abused as a young girl, or maybe when she was a teenager, she had some older guy come and take advantage of her and promise something and then leave her uh, in, a, in a horrible situation. Maybe she just wasn't a really horrible person. Maybe she just had horrible life circumstances and found herself hoping for something better and always in a place that was worse. Jesus didn't look on her with this hate or this condemnation or this judgment. He saw a life that could be transformed in a moment with something he called living water. Why was she at the well on the hottest part of the day? She was afraid of the crowd. She knew everybody there would whisper about her as they always did. And suddenly she looks up at a man who treats her kindly and asks the question, why would a Jewish man be so kind and so loving to me? Why would he offer me living water. And she started to think, perhaps this is the one that we've been waiting for. And the woman, the Bible says, left her jar beside the well, and she ran back to the village telling everybody, oh my gosh, guess what? Now she's an influencer. Now she's light. Now she's salt. She's telling everyone here, come and see the man who told me everything that I did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So what happened? The people came streaming from the village to see him. This shows us that this, this woman who was an outcast, who was messed up, who was hurting and broken, became an influencer. And this illustrates the truth that you don't have to have your life all together to influence someone toward Jesus. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. You don't have to be able to quote Old Testament Hebrew verses all you have to do is care. This woman that everyone else would have judged and overlooked went back to her community with a very sincere love and invited people to come and meet the one who had prophesied to her. You're an influencer. You're an influencer. I'm curious, uh, all of our Church Unlimited locations and online, you can type it in the chat. How, how many of you are spiritual influencers? How many of you are spiritual influencers? I hope every single one of you will see yourself as a spiritual influencer. You don't have to have your life all together. I'll show you a, um, a picture of my daughter, Joy. We, before I show you that, uh, we have six kids. I have one of them here, two of them somewhere else, three of them often married. We have six kids. People say all the time, like, you must love kids. No. Okay. <laughs> I like my kids. I love my wife. <laughs> and all God's people said, amen. I actually love my kids a lot. Uh, and... and uh, um, my youngest daughter, Joy, she says she's the favorite. Just ask her. She'll tell you. She's the baby. Um, she was 15 in this photo, just turned 16. So if you're anywhere near the Oklahoma City area, just watch out because she's driving now. But this is a, this is a picture of uh, my daughter, Joy. And uh, I showed this at a worship event at our church. 
Um, she posted this on Instagram. She's the uh, tall um, one on the left side. And she said, worshiping is like breathing. You're created to do it all the time. It's a lifestyle. And what I wanted to do, I showed this at a, um, at a church worship night, and I was trying to inspire our church to understand that worship can actually be a witness. Just like a couple that I saw um, at earlier service on the front row, they were worshiping in such a way that if you didn't know Jesus, you might look on and go, they got something I don't have. Like it was, it was, it was attractive. It was intriguing. It was, it was intimate. And I was trying to help our church see that worship can be a witness. So I posted that photo of joy. And the very next week, I got an email from this guy, and this is what he wrote. It was so meaningful to me. He said, I recently attended a worship event, um, and I sat right next to the stage. There was this girl beside me the entire time, and something about her was just different. Something about her worship was intimate, and I was in awe of how this young girl represented God. After that night, I walked away thinking, I need to become closer to God. I have to have something special like she has something that draws me closer to him, where God is represented through me so others can see it like I saw it in her. Later that week, this guy said, I attended a night of worship at Life Church, and you posted a picture of your daughter, Joy, up on the screen. And I was like, wow! I was right next to your daughter all night long. That explains so much. It was your daughter that was so connected with God that it was contagious. What did we see? At that time, a 15-year little old girl just in her own intimacy with God, represented something that someone else wanted. Even the way you worship can influence. The way you treat people, the way you carry yourself, the way you reach out. When you're a greeter at Church Unlimited, when someone else comes up feeling like the immoral woman, I'm so ashamed of where I've been. You look on and you don't see a moral person. You see a miracle waiting to happen. And just your posture can help someone else have hope. Maybe it's when you pray for someone and you keep praying and you keep praying and you never give up. And you have no idea how God might use one prayer to influence someone toward Jesus. Maybe for you it's when you lead a small group. Maybe it's when you serve in the student ministry. Maybe, maybe for you, um, it's when you give an offering just a little bit above your tithe, and it goes to an outreach that ends up reaching someone, a marketing piece that brings them to church next week. Maybe it's when God puts someone on your heart, and all you do is reach out to them and invite them to come to church with you. What are you? You're an influencer. You're an influencer. You're an influencer. You're an influencer. When you walk in the room, the very same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells within you. You have the faith of God. You can call things that are not as though they were. You can believe by prayer. You, you can pray for someone, and you can see healing. What are you? You're shiny, and you're salty. When you walk into the room, hope walks into the room. You can change the climate just with your faith. What I want to ask you to do is take just a moment. In fact, we'll, we'll even kind of make it a, a prayerful moment. And ask God, just even right now, you can pray with your eyes open. Do you know Jesus said to watch and pray? If you're ever driving and praying, what, watch and pray. Don't close your eyes when you're driving, okay? You can, you can even just kind of keep your eyes open and just in an attitude of prayer, just, just ask God right now. Just in your own mind, you can say it real quietly or even in your, your mind, say, God, who can I bring with me next week? Who's hurting? 
I'll give you a little clue about next week. Next week is, is all about relational tension and guilt and shame. Who do I know that has relational tension in their life that really needs hope and healing? Who do I know that is ashamed of their actions, feels a lot of guilt, and needs the forgiveness and grace of Jesus to wash all over them? Who do you know? And here's a really good news. Some of you are going to be thinking of somebody that's not um, near the San Antonio campus or is not near um, Rockford campus. You're thinking of someone like that. Well, good news is you can invite them to church online, and you can attend with them and say, hey, I'll meet you at the 10 o'clock service next week and go on the chat, and you can just be there right there with them. You can FaceTime them and watch it with them. God, who do we know? Who do we know that you could use me to make a difference in their lives? What I want you to recognize is that I would not be here today and I would not have been sitting across from your pastor that day when God dropped into his heart the message that what are we going to do? We're going to take as many people to heaven with us before we die, period. That would have never ever happened if my pastor hadn't taken a chance on me. Or if Mike hadn't shown up to Oklahoma City University, how many times do you think he showed up and gave out Bibles and saw nothing? How many times do you think he went home? Do you, he, for 30 years, he never knew it made a difference in my life. If three guys hadn't been praying for me, do you recognize you may be chosen by God to influence someone else's life? What has Jesus done in your life? I'll tell you what he's done in mine. I was so guilty, uh, so ashamed, so addicted, just like my dad. My dad was an alcoholic, and he's recovered now, thank God. And I was an alcoholic at the age of 20. Couldn't kick it, couldn't stop. Um, and he who the son sets free, listen to me, is free indeed. Um, I hadn't seen good marriages in generations in my family. And I'm blessed to celebrate 30 years of marriage this year to my best friend. I am different because of the grace of Jesus. And what I promise you is there's someone near you that needs a little bit of your salt. <laughs> there's someone that needs a little bit of your shine. When you walked into their life, influence walked into their lives. Hey, uh, more power to influencers on social media, but let's, let's not let the world's system rob us of God's calling. Church Unlimited, how many of you, how many of you are called, called by God to be an influencer today? So with hands lifted high, Father, I pray that in the name of Jesus, you would use us, use us today to encourage someone, even before we walk out of church. God, those online, use us to be a blessing to someone else. God, give us eyes to see every single day those who need a touch from you, may we be that touch. One word, one gift, one moment, one, 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 one word of encouragement. And God, I thank you for Pastor Bill and for Jessica and for the way they've influenced us, the way these cities are different because we're taking as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. God, use us this week. Give us just one name. And we commit to bring them next week, believing that the gospel can change lives. As you keep praying today, you can put your hands down if you will, nobody looking around. There's some of you who you may recognize, I'm not, um, I'm not in a place with Jesus where um, I have complete peace. With nobody looking around, let me just be, be real clear. Who is Jesus? He is the Son of God, the Son of God, sinless and perfect in every way, who gave his life on a cross for the forgiveness of our sins. 
Our God raised him from the dead so that anyone, and this includes you, doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter how dark your life is, anyone who calls on that name that is above every name, the name of Jesus, God will hear your prayer, he will forgive all of your sins, and he makes you brand new. Today online or all of our Church Unlimited location, there are those of you, you don't know where you stand on God. What are you going to do? You're just going to step away from your old life and just like I did in a little softball field, call on the name of Jesus. Jesus, take my life. When you do, God will forgive every sin you've ever committed. And listen, just like the immoral woman, you're going to have some living water. You'll never be thirsty again. You've been longing for something this world cannot provide. His name is Jesus, and he is here. At all of our churches, those who say, yes, I want his grace. Yes, I need his forgiveness. I'm turning from my sins. I'm turning toward Jesus. Jesus, I give you my life. That's your prayer. Lift your hands high now. All over the place and just say, yes, lift them up and say, yes. We've got tons of hands going up. Church online, you can click in the chat. I'm giving my life to Christ. Would you pray with those around you? Just pray aloud. Pray, Heavenly Father, forgive all my sins. Jesus, save me. Make me new. Fill me with your spirit so I could follow you, serve you, and influence people toward your love. Show me one person I can influence and bring next week. Use me to glorify you in all I do. Thank you for new life. I give you mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Could somebody celebrate big? Come on, Church Unlimited. Let's worship. Our God, give Him praise.